<laughs> All right. So uh, one of the things that I, you know, I'm, I'm very interactive. Um, and, uh, and so as you notice that I actually bring a Bible to church and I'm not going to say that as you should. Uh, one of the things that I try to do is I try to limit my access to my cell phone because who all knows who Andrew Uberman is? Has anybody ever listened to him? Uberman? Andrew Uberman. Is he the Uber. neuroscientist? Yes. Yeah, I know who he is. Yeah. So he, uh, he says our biggest distraction is our cell phone. He said one time he had to throw his cell phone up on the roof just so he can get work done. <laughs> I was, I'm like, this guy, is a, he's a doctor. And so he's saying he's got to throw his cell phone up on the roof. So I try to limit my access to my cell phone because it's easy for me to, like, go off on next thing you know I'm deep into some other research thing or whatever I'm looking up at so but uh I like to be very interactive in my teaching so I like to ask questions I like for people to respond and uh and so and if you say yes to my question I'm going to say okay why (laughs) so I I want to, I'm going to be teaching for the next, uh, next two Sundays in here, and I wanted, so I wanted to talk a little bit more about relationships, Re- relationship, what, what does a relationship look like, what does a relationship look like with God, what does, what does a relationship look like with, uh, with walking with Christ, and when I became a Christian, I was at the age of 23, 23, 24, it was a long time ago, I don't know. It, but, uh, but I carried this image of God, of what I thought God looked like. And, uh, and so God, to me, was distant, abandoning, um, judgmental, um, and at times harsh. Um, why would I have an image of God like that? Because what you saw from your family. Yeah, so it's what I saw from my family. So when I ask you, when someone says or when you hear or someone talks about God, what image do you have of God? And you don't have to answer me, but, but what, you know, what, what comes to your mind is 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 God is to you is God and Jesus Christ the Holy Spirit are they loving you know are is it is it like that true loving father child relationship that that we hear about or that we see or we have experienced um, or is it or is God distant or do you feel like he's he's someone who punishes or or is he the one you know or he's the one that when Jesus talks about if you ask for Yes, for bread, he's gonna give you a stone and stuff like that. Is, is that the you know? Is that what comes to your mind? Or you know? And I ask you that because, like you said, our upbringing and predominantly our father paints the image of God for us, and that's the reason why I want to start out with relationships. What what image do you have of God? And then, is it a good image? Is it a bad image? And what do we do about it? How do we correct it? You know, how do we meet that? You know, how do we see, how do we change our, our view of God if we're distant from him? And with me having kids, you know, um, I'm not, my kids are not old enough to, or not to the age where, where they can choose to be distant from me. They'll be mad at me for, you know, if I get on to them for something, I don't let them do something. They'll be mad at me for an hour, maybe for a day. But then the next morning they wake up, it's, everything's all, all good. So we're not to that point yet to, if I do something that they can ignore me for two or three days or whatever. Um, so when, I, you know, when you look at that, how do, we, how do we correct it? And when I ask you, how do we correct it, what, what answer do you have? How do we correct our image of God if, if, it's, if, it, doesn't, if it doesn't line up with what, who God really is? With the Word of God. Yeah. Yeah. The Word of God. 
Okay. <laughs> it's a rhetorical question. <laughs> so it's the Word of God. The Word of God will, will, will paint us the image of who God really is. Um, and so who do you, what do you think God thinks about you? What does he think about you? Hmm? Looks like he's a child. Okay. Okay. Sing it. Beloved. All right. And you guys, be real, be honest with me, because I'm am telling you, I didn't become a Christian until I was 23, and I experienced a lot of craziness before then, and I guarantee you, there's nothing you can talk about I have not experienced or I have not seen. So, um, so yeah, it's you know, uh, how you know who else? Right now, how 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 do you view how do you view God now, how, or how how does God view you? How do you how, what does God think about you? And, and I'll be honest, there's no really no right or wrong answer in it. You know, so sometimes it's like. Okay, explain. Elaborate on that. You know, sometimes when, you know, when you've received all his blessings and you, 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 you count it maybe for, like, for that time and then you don't carry it for, you know, days or weeks or for your life and you just run away with what he's given you and you don't really use it as he intended it to. Basically, you're just, like, misusing what he's given to you, misusing his grace and basically, like, running away. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, um, so the other thing is, my other question is, in my family, growing up, man, we went, we went to the first church of the heathens. You know where that's at? First church of the heathens. First church of the heathens. You know. Oh, the heathens. Yeah. Heathens. Yeah, it's in your living room. Yeah, you just don't go to church. That's all it is. <laughs> first church of the heathens. Heathens. The first church of the sinners. Yeah. So yeah, we, we you know we only went to church when when times were bad. You know we needed to go to church. We needed God. God showed up. All right, man. We got through it. All right. Everything looks great. You know, rent's paid or car payments paid. The car's fixed. You know we got food in the house. Okay, let's stop going to church. That's how I grew up with church. You know, you don't, God is our genie. And um, an unfortunate part about it is my mom and dad got divorced when I was, before I was a year old. Um, and it was a very abusive relationship. Uh, and when my, when my mom left my dad, my dad married the woman that he, that he spent the rest of his life with. My dad died when I was age 17 from cancer. Um, but we never had a good relationship. Uh, it was always a distant relationship, um, and I always had to, whenever I was around, I always had to perform. And not only did I have to do that around him, I had to do that around my other family, too. So if I got in trouble, and then like the next day, I had to be reminded I got in trouble yesterday. And I had to carry that. Does God look at you like that? Is that the way the relationship with Christ is? You go before him, you ask for forgiveness, but do we, do we still need to carry... Do we still need to carry the guilt and the shame of our of our mistake? No, uh-uh, because that's not who God is, right? God is He's He's loving, He's caring. He casts our sins as far as the east is from the west, is what Psalms tells us, right? So, um, so if I ask you, how good do you have to be for God to accept you? Not good at all. Not good at all. Because we weren't good when he accepted us, correct? Because um, if, we, if we look in Romans, I have it here, Romans 3.23. Who wants to read that real quick? Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Is that it? The whole verse? Yeah, for all have sinned. Oh, you, you went on. For all have 
sin and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. All right. For all have sinned. We all, we've all screwed up, right? All right. So we, we've all messed up. We've all missed the mark. Uh, so Paul tells us that, hey, we, we're all screwed up. Okay. Um, so what do, what do we what has to happen in our in our hearts for God to meet us right there? Yeah, what has to happen in our hearts for God to meet us right there? I'm sorry. Say again. Your willingness. Your willingness. Okay. Yep. Repentance. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I know we're recording this for repentance. Explain what that is. So it's uh, realizing that what you did or what you are doing currently is wrong. Mm -hmm. and not only are you realizing it's wrong, but you choosing to stop doing that wrong. Okay. All right. You ever, anybody's ever heard of a Christianese? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Christianese. Yeah. Yeah. Christian language. Christian language. So. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I asked you to elaborate on it because yeah. someone who's listening may not know what, what what you're talking about. So repentance is turn away from what what we what we experienced. All right. So when when Jesus was driven out into the wilderness and Satan tempted him, what was a, what was what was uh, what what did Jesus use to to overcome the temptation. The word. The word of God. So that tells us that the word of God is true. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, it's like a double-edged sword. It pierces. It, it divides the bone from the marrow. Okay. And it gets deep into our heart. That's what changes us from, from, from within our heart. And that's what changes our views. Anybody ever heard of, of, uh, of that? The closer we get to God... You know, the more the desires that we see come to us, more of our desires get fulfilled. But we're starting to see that our desires become more of his desires, less than him fulfilling our own selfish desires. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yeah. So as we get closer to God, we're starting to see that, starting to see his heart. And we're starting to see that desires that he has for us actually lines up with how he, how he created us. What I like to say, I like to tell people is that we're all wired. God's wired us a certain way. And if I ask everybody around the room, you know, what, what, what do you get excited about? You know, what do you get excited about doing? What, what, what really just makes you excited? What makes you happy? Everybody's going to have a different answer. You know, but we all serve the same God, correct? Mm -hmm. But God has created us differently. And because he's put something special in us. Because he knows us, um, I like to tell a lot of stories too. So, <laughs> uh, one of the things that I was uh, years ago, I had went out and visited my mother. She lived out in the country at the time, and it was at night when I got ready to leave. So, I lived up on this hill, not a cloud in the sky, no lights around, just little street lights here and there. And I walk out, and I'm getting ready to get my car. And for some reason, I just felt like I needed to look up. And so I looked up, and I looked, and I was like, wow, look at these stars. I just sat out there for 15 minutes in my car just looking at these stars, just so amazed of how bright the night sky is. You can't really see it that well here in the city, but how bright it is. How, you know, when you get away from this, when you get away from all the city lights and everything, it is just magnificent. It's beautiful. It's just it's almost like you could reach up and really touch the stars. And I just sat there. And, you know, I'm still, to this day, I just love to look up at the stars. I love it. I just, to me, it's just amazing. You know, when you look at that. And then when you can see, like, the planets, you can, you know, when they say, oh, Saturn will be here at this time. And you can see it with your naked eye and, or anything like that. And you're able to see it. And just, to me, it's just mind-boggling of... We, here we are on this planet Earth, and it just goes. Anybody, anybody has ever been to the ocean? 
been on the beach to the ocean and looked out and you did not see any of the land. That's right. Uh, there was a guy that, uh, that I used to work with. He, he used to work on the oil rigs out, in the, out on the ocean. And he told me, he said that, he said being out there when the, when the seas are calm, he said you can look down, you can look, you look like 60, 70, 80 feet down. You can see that far down just from standing up on there. And then he said the ships would pass by and you could watch the ships and they would literally just disappear. And he said you could see the curvature of the earth. And it's just going and going and going. And it's, to me, it's just so vast. But then you look at space, and I'm like, oh, wow. So I was at this worship event, um, and uh, we were, there's a whole bunch of us out there, and, and this one guy was leading this worship, and he said, he said, take a moment and think about God's creation. Think about, think about something God has created that you just admire. And I'm sitting there, and I'm, gonna, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm just laying down on the floor, and I'm beginning to think about it. And the one thing that came to my mind was those, those stars. And I just began to be like, wow, God, this is so amazing. And God told me, I felt like God told me in my heart, he said, I created them because I knew you'd love them. How awesome is that? That a God says, hey, I created those stars because I knew you would love them. Now think of something that, 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 that you know God created and you love. How personal is that, that God says, I created that because I knew you would love them? How many more people out there just love looking at stars? How many people we have in NASA? How many people been to space and they're all like, you know, all this stuff. And he's talking about me. He's like, hey, because I knew you'd love them. How deep, is, how deep does that relationship take you? If you know somebody's going willing to invest in you like that, right? So one of my favorite verses is in Psalms, and it says that my thoughts towards you are more numerous than the sand. If you were to count them, then you would count my you would count my my thoughts towards you. And I love that because I love to demonstrate that to people of saying, "Hey, this is how God views you, and this is how He thinks about you." If you were to go to the beach and carve out a twelve by twelve square space out on the beach and you were to dig up the sand in that one 12 by 12 and you had to count every single one of them. And each, each grain would be God's thought towards you. You know, that's, that's a lot. Just having a handful and you're like counting, that's one thought, that's two thoughts and they're, and they're good. Because God says, he says that his thoughts toward us are good. And that his, he has a plan for us. It is good. You know? So, when we look at such a good God, but at times we find ourselves struggling with, with sin. Maybe repetitive sin. Um, how, you know, how, how does that make us feel about ourselves? Bad. Bad. Say again. Guilty. Guilty. Yeah. Like you're ungrateful. You're ungrateful. That's that's a good analogy. Regretful. Regretful. Like you didn't really change. Like your salvation didn't take. That's that is a big one. That's a huge one. One of one of my best friends. He I love that guy, and we've been friends for almost twenty years. And uh, he he literally at one point walked away. He he just kind of. Walked away from God, and then he came back to the Lord. Uh, and uh, when he came back, he he literally questioned his relationship with God before he walked away the first time. He said, "Did I really have a relationship with God as I do now?" You know, and that's. Uh, but yeah, that, that's that's heavy because when we fall, we fall short. We tend to want to carry that. Why? Why do we want to carry it? Human nature. We want to prove we're worthy. We want to prove that we're worthy. Carrie, I'm not well. I'm not worthy, and I've messed up, and I got to carry this. Is my load to carry, right? 
but at the same time, we want to try to prove that we're worried. Not now. I've got to. I've got to fix myself. Anybody ever been fishing? No one's been fishing in here. I don't want to go fishing. So. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been fishing. I've ate some fish. So, I, I've been fishing a few times, and I've caught a few fish here and there. But I hate fishing. Hate it. Hate fishing. You know, because to me, just sitting out there. Cast that thing out, especially if you're like casting out and you got a bobber on and you're waiting. To me, that's just, I, I don't have patience for that. I want to go fly fishing and just see, you know, I've never been done that, but I heard that it's a technique to do fly fishing, and I, I think that would be great. Uh, but, but I just hate going to the lake and fishing. I just hate that. Um, but whenever you, whenever you go fishing, you catch a fish, has anyone ever taken the fish and just taken it, taking the hook off of it, throw it on the frying pan right there in there, and start eating it once it's cooked? Isn't it something else you can do some, some stuff before you cook yeah, it, right? Yeah. You gotta gut it. You gotta gut it. You gotta de-scale it. You gotta what? You gotta what? You gotta de-gut it. Take out the guts. Take out the guts, the hearts, all that stuff. No, de-gun. No, de-gun. They got it. Some people cut the head off of it. Well, you gotta kill it, right? Like, it's not dead whenever you catch it. Yeah, yeah, it's not dead. <laughs> if it's dead when you catch it, though. It's out of the water. That's much more dead. You have to season it. Salt, at least. Yeah, season it, salt, you know. So, would it be strange if I told you that in order to catch that fish, that fish has to get on your line. He has to be completely degutted, descaled, has you know have his fins taken off and ready to, and ready to be thrown on a firing pan, seasoned everything. Would you think it'd be strange if I told you that? Like the fish came that way? Yeah. That's pretty strange. Yeah. yeah, you're like I literally caught this thing out of the I caught it out of the lake and this is what it looked like when it came out. It's crazy. It's probably because someone was down there already did that. But the reason why I say that. The reason why I say that we catch that fish, we got to do all that to it in order to order to prepare it. I say that because the fish is not going to do it for itself, especially if it's like, hey, I'm going to eat me. Especially if I got to give my life up, I'm not going to do it for you. But the fish is not going to do it for itself, and we're not going to expect the fish to do it for itself. Why do we expect ourselves to go to God like that? Why do we expect for our hearts to be clean? Why do we expect for us to be perfect in order for us to step into the place God has called us to be? You know, something to think about, huh? How many, how many times have you felt, how many times have you, have you decided not to do something for God because you didn't feel like you was good enough or you felt like you struggled with a certain sin or you felt like you weren't, you didn't have enough faith or... Um, you didn't believe enough or your fruit what you didn't have enough fruit behind you to show that hey I could do this anybody know, know who YWAM is YWAM. YWAM youth with a mission oh, oh no yeah youth with a mission they've been around since the 50s I believe so the founder Lauren I can't remember his last name Lauren Cunningham I think it's Cunningham um, his motto for YWAM is God does not call the qualified he qualifies the called and that's, that's his model for, for YWAM, is that don't wait until you're qualified. Because if you wait until you're qualified, you'll never be qualified. Yeah. And, uh, you'll never have enough degrees. You'll never have enough money. You'll never have, uh, you'll never have the faith to step out. Yeah. So when, uh, when we look at that, man, um, when we talk, so when we talk about being, being good enough, we realize that we'll never be good enough, right? So as I was finishing up studying this morning as of making breakfast and doing all this other stuff. We, anybody see my, the boys' hair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, no, Josiah has green hair, right? <laughs> Josiah and Judah. Started it last night. Finished it up this morning. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it was a process, man. It was a process. But 
We got it done, right? <laughs> we ended up finishing up this morning, so I didn't have a I didn't have a whole lot of time to finish up. So I told Hannah, I was like, I I just need some time to review and go over my notes and stuff, and and uh, but we had to do all that and make breakfast and stuff. So as I was looking at as I was reviewing all this and reading over over the scripture, where do we begin at faith? Where do we begin at faith? Like our faith journey, where do we start? Yeah. Right where you're at. Doesn't it say come as you are? Come as you are. Hearing the word. Okay, it's part of it, yeah. It's part of it. You mean like where? You mean like where? Heart yeah. condition wise? Heart condition wise. Where? Yeah. Okay, okay. Not like physical location. Okay. <laughs> it's like okay. if you like open up your heart. Like I think it's like, uh, uh, there was a story Trust that someone was told me. Say again, I'm sorry. Trust him with all your heart. Okay. And I like what you're saying. All right. Someone turn to Romans 10, verse 9. Yes, please. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, and you'll be saved. Read verse 10, please. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. No, that's, that's good right there. <clears throat> so, what does that tell us? <clears throat> Confess. What do, you, what do you have to confess? What is it that you're confessing? Jesus is Lord. Okay. What else do you have to do? Okay. So we confess what we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart. Does anybody ever at times question in our heart? Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, would that be a uh, would that be a human element or would that be a um, would that be a spiritual element? When I say spiritual, would that be an attack of the enemy? Oh, oh, oh. Do um, both. I feel like when when you in your mind when you try to come to that place, that's when the the enemy tries to throw everything at you to keep you, you know, to keep you in his arms. And it could be stuff that, you know, if I'm a new believer, uh, there's, there might be a lot that I don't know. So I might not even have everything that I need that I need to confess. Mm -hmm. So if, if, you know, if someone just tells me you need to confess, believe in your heart, maybe I don't have what I need to know. Um, I didn't have this in my notes, but, um, but as you were saying that, this popped in my head. How many of you guys struggled with, uh, with when Jesus said the only sin that's not forgiven is the sin of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Okay. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you literally felt like, oh, crap, dude. It's really screwed up here, man. I'm like, I am, God's not going to forgive me. Uh, like, when did you blaspheme? I don't know, but I know I did it. <laughs> I know that I did it. I know. When? What'd you do? I don't know, but I know I did it. It sounds like something I would do. Yeah, you know, and, and we all do that. You know, we, we all do that. And, and I'm pretty sure that if you're sitting here right now, I'm pretty sure that you have not done that. You have not blasphemed the Holy Spirit. Because from the times that I've heard of people that have done that openly, it was literally like their life completely, like ended with, within that time frame or a few days later. You know, and I'm not saying that you know that that that's what you know that it happens like that. But I am saying that if if you go that far to blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you're literally stepping out from from the covering of God. You know, you're you you're denying the work of the Holy Spirit. You're denying what God has done in in your life. You know, and especially like if if um, if we were to stand up and we were to pray for one of you guys and 
and you got healed. And then I walk out and I'm like, you know, I'm like, yeah, I did this. And uh, he, he got healed because I had my hands on him. And it had nothing to do with me, right? Yeah. Nothing at all to do with me. And it's, but still, that lie. Where's that lie come from? Pride. Pride. Yeah. Pride? But we're talking about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Where's that, where's that lie come from? Yeah, not the Holy Spirit. Comes from Satan. Comes from Satan. You know, he, who, who's going to attack you with that? You, you screwed up. You blasphemed. As soon as I read that, when I first became a Christian, I read that. The very next thing that came to my mind is, you screwed up, dude. You screwed up. You blasphemed the Holy Spirit. Like, I'm like sitting there reading my Bible. I'm like, oh, man. I'm... God, what do I got to do, man? So, you know, you had that, you know, Finally, you have somebody come along inside of you and just talk to you. Like, you know, do you, do you believe in God? Do you believe the Holy Spirit? Like, yeah, yeah. I don't think you blaspheme the Holy Spirit. What if someone isn't a believer? What does it mean to blaspheme the Holy Spirit? So, the whole context of blaspheming the Holy Spirit is is denying what the Holy Spirit is doing. Okay. Denying what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life, especially if. The Holy Spirit is moving a certain way, and you deny it. If the Holy Spirit is is um, is proving work in your life, and you deny it, or you take credit for it, that's from my understanding of blessing the Holy Spirit. And I know that there's scholars out there that that uh, have different views and stuff, but that's my understanding of it. Okay. Um, so specifically, saying that it was not the Holy Spirit that did whatever. Happened. Yeah, similar to that, yes. Don't unbelievers do that all the time? Yeah. I would say, yes, they do. So are they like completely projected that they can't? Well, here's the thing. Let me, let me ask you this. If you're not a believer, does that cause... Does that sin cause you to fall fall away from God? You're already away from God. Okay. So, but does but if you're ignorant of it, of that, does that? It's about what standard that you're held to. So, if we're if we are believers, if we are in the standard that we can't blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. But for an unbeliever, because they don't actually believe in the Holy Spirit, they can't, like, they can't take away credit for, mm-hmm. from something they don't believe in. But, but I just, I agree with that, but also, in the end, when you stand before God, even if you lived ignorant your whole life, you're still held accountable, right? So, yeah. my understanding of blaspheming the Holy Spirit is everything y'all said, but also, like, it's like this denial until the end. Of the Holy Spirit, like there, I think there is a redeeming back of saying, okay, like you're ignorant and didn't you weren't aware of the Holy Spirit's working, and then you can you you can be redeemed back. But if you live your life and you stand before Him and you completely deny His works, then it's like I see that as blasphemy so, until the end, right? No, I can agree with that. That's, no, no, she, 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 but I think it's the same thing where it's like if. God has revealed himself to you. Like, just like you, I, I, there was a conversation that came up where it's like, how is it, how does it work for, pe- for, non, for people that are non-believers who are never exposed to the word, who never came in contact with anybody, unless they're like living in a cave. Let's just pretend, right? They, nev- they never came in contact. Like how, like, how does judgment look for them, right? Like, there's that conversation that came up and you were like, God also reveals, like, you don't have to have a person tell you about Christ. Like, he will reveal himself to you as well. And so it's like, well, those people know the word. They might not have like they might not have physical access to the Bible or whatnot, but like they will know who he is. And it's like but this conversation comes to like, oh, if God has revealed himself to you, yet you still keep on denying outwardly to him, and then then blasphemy kicks in where you're denying not not only are you denying him, but also his handiwork. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it's like that's when I'm like to those who even deny or who don't acknowledge him in his 
because it's, it's you can see God's work like there's no explanation to like like you ask people how do you think that like the earth came out came up and they're like oh this and that it's like well then how did that start like whenever you go to like the beginning of what they're trying to get at mm-hmm. there's really never an answer they think they just say it was just there how was it just there it can't just be there so they know there's something bigger mm-hmm. and they're just in denial of that something bigger even if they don't know if they don't know him and doesn't don't like have a personal relationship with Christ like they know there is something bigger out there they're now denying his existence I think that's blasphemy so. openly deny from what I from what I understand I mean if, if a blind person has not seen what I guess is seen they can't really understand what it is for the people that has already seen to deny that that is I guess very much blasphemy because you see an orange, and you know it's an orange, but then you deny that it's an orange, but you say it's an apple. Are you okay? <laughs> but if you're blind, but then you describe that it's that and everything, and you say it's very much an orange, but you're kind of unsure, then that's also different because you really don't know unless if God intervenes and opens your eyes and softens your, and softens your heart to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's very much different for believers since our hearts have been softened and we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit to see all the works that he has done to simply deny that in every day it's it's very very blessed it's it's it's, it's saying that like there is I've done this all by myself. Mm-hmm. And that just goes down to pride. From the very first part was uh, the fall of man. Um, I very much think that's, that's blasphemy. It's taking one's uh, the Holy Spirit's credit and bringing it oneself and say that's all me. Mm-hmm. I'm living because I live. There's nothing sustaining Okay. Well, the answer answer part of your question, uh, Paul addresses he addresses sin um, in in Romans seven, and uh, and he says that um, he said I would not have known. This is a uh, Romans chapter seven. Um, verse, verse 7 reading on down a little bit he says uh, I would not have known what is to covet if the law had not said do not covet and sin seizing the opportunity through the commandment producing in me coveting of every kind for apart from the law sin is dead once I, once I was alive apart from the law but then the commandment came sin sprang into life so he was saying, he's basically saying that, hey, you know, I didn't know I was sinning because there was no one, to, you know, there was nothing to tell me that I was sinning. What, what was the, um, what was the commandment that God gave to Adam and Eve? Yeah. 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 Some say some say it was uh, some some say the fall, the fall of man was a fruit on the tree, but it was the pear on the ground. It's all right. Like the pear, like the Adam Eve. Yeah. So, so God gave them that one commandment. Don't don't eat of this. You know, if you do, what's going to happen? You're going to die. You know, um, and it was more of 
they literally brought something upon themselves because they broke that one commandment. That's all God gave them was that one commandment. That was it. But then it came with Moses, the, the commandments that came after that, you know, the Ten Commandments that, that, we, that, we, that we see hung up and everything and that Jesus refers back to. And he says, he said, these two commandments, you can hang the whole, all the commandments on it, you know, love God with all your, uh, love God with all your heart, soul and mind and love, and love your and uh love your neighbor as yourself you know you could hang all the commandments on those if you do those those two right there you're going to fall you're going to fall within the fall within the uh all the other commandments so um someone read romans chapter 10 verse verses 11 through 13 yes sir Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly, richly blesses all who call to him. On him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. All right. Well, there's one thing that stuck out to you in that, that scripture that he just read. Okay. Okay. Never put to shame. It's kind of what we talked about here a little bit. When we do something wrong, we have we have uh, we carry that shame on us, right? That guilt, that regret, you know. Um, and but Jesus, but Paul's telling us that Jesus saying that, you know, everyone who believes on Him will not be put to shame. He said He's not going. He's not going to share. He's not going to put any shame on us if we do something wrong, especially if we confess it. And you know, we go reading First John. First John, John tells us, First John one and nine says that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Correct. Um, so, how much sin is too much sin? Say again. It's all sin. It's all sin. All sin their way to sin. Okay. How much sin is too much sin? One is too much. Oh yeah, that is true. One is too much. So we go. We know God is holy. He's holy. He's a holy God, and sin cannot cannot be in there. Um. I was listening to. Vody Bakram. Anybody ever listen to Vody Bakram? <laughs> pull him up on YouTube sometime this week. Listen to him. He is he's not he's not political. He will not play political games. He says, This is the word of God and this is what it says. And that's it. And uh Bodhi Bakram. Bodhi? Bodhi. V O D D I E. Bakram. Yeah. So, um, he said one time. He said that. Uh, he said if you if you feel like you have to have all your sins confessed before you go to heaven, I'm pretty sure you're not going to confess all your sins. And he said, if you feel like you will have all your consent, your sins confessed before you go to heaven, when you get there, the first sin you're going to have to confess is pride. And <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so you know. And one one of the things that I that one in in Psalms one hundred and three in that I love out of that it tells us that God knows that we're made of dust and that we're fragile. He knows that, and we need to understand that. We understand that God already sees us as fragile. He's already called us out of where we came from, and. Um, the sharing with you guys. Uh, not everybody knows my story, knows my upbringing. My wife knows it. Um, and uh, so one of the things that when I grew up, I grew up in a very racist family. I had, I had an uncle that wore a KKK belt buckle. He was in a, he was in a bike club called the Booze Fighters. Uh, and I literally watched God melt that man's heart. 
I watched him melt that man's heart. That man told me one time, he said, you ever bring a black woman around my house, you'll never be, I'll never ask you to come back again. When he met my wife, he wrapped his arms around her and gave her the biggest hug. You know, that's, that's the power of God. You know, you want to see the power of God, that is the power of God. So, um, but yeah, that's how I grew up and that's what I knew. And that was the power of God that changed in my heart, changed my heart and showed me that, hey, the one regret I have is that all the relationships I messed out on, you know, with, with friends and, and all the experiences I could have had if I didn't believe that. No. Yeah. So I don't need to wrap up here. So we, uh, so what I want you guys to take away is is that we don't have to carry that shame. And if you feel like you have a negative image of God, I encourage you to research the scriptures. Google, you know, Google or go on, um, go on one of the uh, one of the, the Bible Bible apps or whatever, and just start looking into what you know. What does God look like? What does God think of me? Stuff like that. Um, just research the scriptures, and uh, I really encourage you to do that because that is what's going to change our image, our view of ourselves. In our image and our view of what God thinks of us. Okay. Mm -hmm. Anybody have any questions, comments, concerns, good news? Yeah, it's in the. It's, So what you said earlier about the you saw like I didn't see them. Those are stories I've heard. I've heard from so other like, pastors and stuff. Like, it's not even a salvation issue. It's just like you know, God is stopped protecting you. Yeah, and if if there ever comes a point where where someone comes to a point where where God where the Holy Spirit draws back protection over you. You know, I don't know what that looks like. Isn't that basically hell? Yeah, I would say so. But also, like, I thought hell was more like just the absence. Like, yeah, I mean, if you're Because I've heard, you know, I've heard testimonies of people who actually died and they, and they felt themselves descending. They, they literally felt themselves descending into a, an, a complete darkness of, of separation from God. And they've cried out, Jesus, save me. And their testimony is, is that I immediately was brought back into my body and their whole life changed. Um, and those are two testimonies I've heard like that. Where they died, they literally, like, they had a confirmation of dying, and they felt themselves completely being separated from God. Uh, when it comes down to, comes down to that whole, like, blasphemy, I don't know exactly what that looks like or how, and, it, and that may be what, you two were saying is that if you live a life, continue to live a life, um, that would, that is, uh, okay. okay. All right. Thank you. So that is, so that's one of the, you know, um, that's one of the things that, that may be what, you know, like I was saying, what, what you guys were saying. So it's pretty interesting because we've talked about it before and how like the way that's different from all the other sins. And I've I've always viewed it as, you know, when when it comes to you know, your judgment, if you are the that person who has blasphemy against spirit, you can't get any justification for that. Yeah. 
And I'll be honest with you, man. I, if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, and, and Jesus is saying that God is not going, is God will not forgive that, no matter what. I'll be honest with you. That is, do, do you foresee God continue to bless you, in your walk? Would you still have? Would He still have a relationship with you, knowing that hey, this is, and I'd have to say no. If that if that's what he's saying, you know, I'd have to I would have to say that is something he would say no to. Do you know what, what, what is that in like Revelation that talks about like I'm knocking at your door, like you and Psalms? Revelation Revelations three twenty three. And this also in Psalms, the Psalms talks about like this idea of like someone's knocking at your door, and it's also says there'll come a time where I'll no longer knock. Um, even like in like Noah's Ark, like. There's a time when the door was open, and then it was like, no one, like, once God closes that door, it's done. And so that's how I see blasphemy in the Holy Spirit is when you reach that point of your life where it's like, he's like, the door's closed, I'm sorry. This is, this is judgment. You can't, like, even if you cry out to say, save me, it was like, this is, this is your chance. And I think, I feel like God would, like, I feel like when, what was that verse of, like, Christ is, uh, it's almost like he's being merciful whenever he postpones his arrival. Because he's like, I'm waiting until like the world repents and so that world would come to me. So I I don't know, it's just it's hard to see God as not, not like not forgiving just mm-hmm. because it's like that's how he learned him. But I also think he's he is a God of justice and he will he will extend that out as necessary. I guess that's Yeah.